Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Hey, uh, do you guys remember? It's been a while, so I don't know. If you're too young, you may not even recall this. But you remember where uh, or when, I should say, um, that uh, we were we were promised that uh, if we if we got rid of Trump as president, there would be a return of decency and uh, specifically norms, a restoration of our norms, and and no more threats of constitutional crises. Right? You remember that? It's been a while, so but I remember that. I remember this being the pitch that if we just got rid of the orange man, then uh, it would be a return to our norms. Norms restored, right? So it's really weird when I look around and I see the thing happening that I was promised wouldn't happen, namely a constitutional crisis occurring on the southern border, right? Joe Biden's border catastrophe has turned now into a constitutional, well, I don't want to say crisis, it's like a uh, it's a challenge. Uh, it's a it maybe maybe it's a challenge that identifies as a crisis. I don't know. It's a trans it's a transis trans, or maybe it's a crisis that's identifying as a challenge. It's hard to say at this point, but it's not good. I read to you yesterday because it was issued during the program. Uh, I read the letter that was released by Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who said. Uh, Basically, screw you, federal government. According to the Constitution, he cited two different parts of the U.S. Constitution, and I have it right here. Article 4, Constitution, talks about how the federal government is supposed to uh, protect the uh, states from invasion. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. There's no other reason for a, uh, a unification of all of these different states, which at the time, right, the states were kind of sort of their own countries. But let's unify together under a federalism model. And I've said this before. I am a federalism fan. I like federalism. I don't want a national government. I want a federal government, a government that is comprised of, you know, representatives of all of the states. We get to operate as our own individual units. And this way, if I don't like my state, like if I lived in California, I could do what so many people in California are doing is flee. I didn't want to live in New York. I fled. I'm a refugee, if you will. Uh, Sorry, evacuee. Can't say refugee. Ever since Hurricane Katrina. Can't say refugee. But I fled. I mean, I came down... In 1992, and I mean, I think at that point, the bars in Rock Hill were staying open later than the bars in Charlotte. Okay, that's how, that's how things have changed since I've been here. And I never went back. I mean, to visit, yes, but no, I never went back to live. 
Nice to visit, see friends and family up there, but don't want to live there ever again. Unless, of course, like something, you know, huge happens and every Democrat moves out of the state and then I can move back. I mean, that would be kind of cool. Oh, by the way, speaking of New York, they were just named the best city in the world by the Satanic Church. So they got that going for them. I know things have been rough lately with, you know, big blue cities from a marketing standpoint. So that right there, I mean, that's just... uh that's just Chamber of Commerce catnip. Mm. Awesome. Good good on you, New York City. So you got Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, and he cites uh, not just Article 1, but he cites also, I think it's Article 1, Section 10, uh, and he's declared that his, um, his state is being invaded. And that's true. If you look at the definition of the word invaded, it is to, you know, to cross into by foot. That's what's happening. People are... You're invading. And the state wants to stop it. And the federal government says you cannot, thereby proving a dereliction of their duty, ignoring their oaths of office. I say this is impeachable conduct. I think you really don't need anything other than their press releases and a copy of the policies and then the data that's been compiled on all of the immigration stats. And that's it. And then take the vote. Like, it's a very simple case in my mind. But what do I know? Just a radio host. So... Article 4, Section 4, is the, is the part that says the federal government shall provide against invasion, shall provide, or, uh, uh, yeah, provide uh, defense against invasion for the states. And Ron DeSantis came out yesterday lending support. Uh, they've already sent troops down there to help Texas, but he said, you know, and he's a lawyer. He was a former JAG, right? He's a, he was like a history major and all this. So, like, he knows, too, and he's citing Federalist papers in his statement that there was no other reason for the states to join. Why, like, mutual aid and defense? That that's the point. They never would have signed on. He says the the founders never would have signed on with a compact that did not provide for mutual defense. So now, with the state, the Texas National Guard putting up the razor wire along the border, which, by the way, all that does is uh, send a message, don't try to cross here. Those people can still cross at the legal entry points. But even putting up the wire is an outrage to the Marxists. Right? They are attempting to obliterate the border. That is very, very clear at this point. So... The federal government then sues and they're like, you know, we want to cut down your wire. Texas is like, you can't cut down our wire. So then they sue. It goes to the Supreme Court the other day. And I went over this yesterday. The Supreme Court only said that the feds can cut it down, but Texas can still put it back up. And so they're going to be doing this, you know, putting up, taking down, putting up, taking down. But now you're getting other governors. And you can say the incentives are aligned because of who their uh, constituency and their voters uh, generally are. These are red state governors by and large, but they are uh, signing on with Texas. So you had DeSantis, as I mentioned, Governor Lee in Tennessee, Yunkin in Virginia, Kemp, Georgia, Ivy, Alabama, uh, Christy Nome in South Dakota, GM Forte uh, in Montana, uh, the Idaho governor, Utah, West Virginia, Oklahoma, uh, Nebraska, Louisiana, Arkansas, 
Bergham in North Dakota as well. They've all signed on. What is this up to now? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 governors now. Every red state governor needs to stand with Texas. There's like, this is the fight. It is now, it is here. If not us, who? If not now, when? This is the fight. You're not going to get a better distillation of the issue. Meanwhile, you've got this, quote, border deal that's being negotiated up in Capitol Hill. uh, Republicans in the Senate trying to hammer out a deal. Got a message here from GJM on Twitter, who's, oh, because I mentioned the Federalist Papers, because that Governor Ron DeSantis mentioned the Federalist Papers that talked about the states banding together for mutual defense and all that. Um, And so GJM says the Federalist Papers, Pete, that's old news. We need to confirm what Trump's latest tweet has to say about this strange federalism idea of which you speak in order to confirm the next guiding steps towards the realization of MAGA. (laughs) So I did find this interesting. Donald Trump hasn't, uh, he hadn't weighed in on it. He had like, he went off on, uh, what would you call them, a truth storm? Is that what they are over on the truth social echo chamber over there? Is that social? Is maybe just a post on truth social? But he had all these posts about his case. The defamation case against E. Jean Carroll. Tons of tons of posts about that, but nothing about the Texas border situation. And by the way, that's what the media is covering today, not the Texas border situation. I uh, just point that out. Walking Bob joins us now. Hello, Bob. What has been going on? Well, before I start, I just want to say thank God for your podcast, because I'm just getting started on my walk. I kept waiting to see if it would stop raining, and it seems like it's raining harder and harder, so... I decided to go out and take my medicine, and I can listen to the last hour or the first hour of your show uh, as I'm wrapping up my walk in two and a half, three hours. So, so thank you for doing that. Yeah, and, I was going to say God didn't make that. That God, you don't have to thank God for the uh, for the podcast. You thank Bernie for the podcast. And I just but, posted it, so you're good to go, Bob. The first hour is now posted. First hour of today's right. show is now posted. But you know that God and Al Gore made the Internet, so that's equally important. I did know that. Yes, sir. I did. Uh, These sudden whiplash switches in policy, which I think are bad no matter who does it. Yep. It all started when Barack Obama said, I've got a pen and a phone. Mm-hmm. And that became a substitute for working with Congress to get things done. And, you know, we, no party has really had enough of a majority in any of those houses uh, at the same time to make these differences. But it's causing, it's, it's causing rancor uh, among not only the politicians, but the people that vote for them, you know, nothing has gone through clean. That's been of tremendous import lately. You know, they can, they can, they can't even agree on whether to keep making the penny or not, but things like health care, affordable care act, um, 
building the wall, some of those other things, they come not from uh, from the channels that I think that the founding fathers intended, but they're executive orders, end run around rules and so forth. And my guy does it too. That's how the wall got right. started to build. But, right. You know, we built we build the wall, and then the next guy's going to tear the wall down. Yeah, he's going to cut a hole, and he's going to cut a, uh, cut a permanent hole in it to allow people to walk through it. Yeah. That's right. And so when Trump gets in there in his third term, he will patch up the holes, and so it will go. Very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Very frustrating and sad. Yeah. Yeah. No, and this is why I'm a big fan of uh, overturning the Chevron deference, getting rid of this thing, and making Congress do what it, do what it's supposed to be doing. But again, what are their incentives? Right, the incentives right now are aligned for people who don't make up the majority in any one of the major caucuses or or, or conferences. Right, if you've got like for example, the um, the House Freedom Caucus is not the majority of the Republican uh, conference in. The House. So they can uh, leverage their votes in a closely divided House. They can leverage their votes for more victories. The problem there is that it peels away support among more moderate Republicans, right, who then they have some leverage because now they're going to withhold their votes. Right. So rather than trying to to figure out a way to get people sort of all on board uh, with a compromise deal, Nobody wants to compromise because if you compromise, then you're going to get a primary from more of the uh, the the uh, uh, more radical elements in your home district or more moderate elements in your home district. So people don't have an incentive to compromise on a on a project, and that means rather than getting half the loaf now and coming back for the rest later, we get nothing because everybody demands it be everything right now. And I agree with all of that and what that means in a lot of these contested ideals. It's going to fortunately wind up in the Supreme Court, where it's not a lead pipe cinch for conservatives, but they have a better chance now than ever. What is this uh, Chevron? What did you call it? Chevron? Deference. Deference? Yeah, or doctrine. It was based on. Well, go back and listen to the first hour. It's now up posted so you can hear it and you will get all caught up on everything about the Chevron deference. It's based off a case 40 years ago, Chevron, the company, um, where it basically said that if uh, a law is ambiguous as written by Congress, then uh, the agencies, the executive branch agencies can make the rules to fill in the blanks. And that's that's allowed for the growth of all of these the the regulations and rules. And so these fishermen are suing because it's become onerous to them. So. Gotcha. But, yeah. Okay, well, I'll, I'll certainly be listening to that, and thank you very much. I'm not going to charge you for today. Just All right, that's fair. Of, no, that's fair. I kind of feel okay. like, yeah, it was a fair trade. All right, Bob, I appreciate the call, buddy. Good to hear from you. Got a couple of emails here, from one from Matt. He says, Pete, will the question be asked at the governor's debate at the end of the month if the candidates support sending guardsmen to the border to assist Texas, or at least the candidates that show up and debate? That's a great question. I guess it's going to depend on who gets to moderate the gubernatorial debate in North Carolina um, at the primary level, but also at the uh, the general election level. And that's going to depend on whether or not 
any of the candidates are willing to debate. Because that now is apparently becoming the norm. The standard is uh, just, uh, you know, do some events, friendly media, and that's it. Um, I suspect the Republican candidates for governor would probably be on board with it. um, Just because, again, that's where their incentives lie. If not their principles as well. And I suspect that uh, my good friend Ray Cooper and Josh Stein... They would not be interested, nor any of the other Democrats. I'd be surprised if any of the Democrats running for North Carolina governor would be interested in uh, assisting Texas in providing border security for their state, which, again, is the whole reason why we have a compact called the U.S. Constitution, right? The, the reason for the founding was for, to provide for the common defense. Um, next up is an email from Dennis. And he says, it looks like some Democrats are calling for Biden's Gestapo uh, to seize control of the Texas National Guard. Do you think they could be successful? In other words, does the federal government have that power over the states? This could get nasty. Um, Yeah, the, the ball now is in the court of the Biden administration and whether or not they are interested in prompting a civil war. Like, I'm not trying to be you know, catastrophizing here or hysterical sky is falling. I mean, trust me, if I was being hysterical, you would know. Cause like you would hear me crying and sobbing and everything else. And I'm not like, I'm just like, this is the way I'm normally talking. And it's, but like, I look at this, this is a constitutional crisis. You have a state that is alleging that the federal government is violating its end of the deal. It's broken its contract. And so the state is now doing what it can do. And the federal government says you can't. And the state says, yes, we can. So hopefully they, you know, litigate it and it works out peaceably. But if the feds come in and they start trying to treat the Texas National Guard like they treated the J6 rioters and uh, demonstrators and even like the grannies that just happen to be walking around on the plaza, um, I I think there's going to be a bit of a different response than what we saw on January 6th and since. I don't think the Texas National Guard is going to put up with any kind of strong-arm tactics. But here's the thing. Even if if there was a decision to go along with those strong-arm tactics, to basically surrender over to the feds, you never know if everybody's going to do it. Right? All it takes is some people that don't want to comply that want to be ungovernable, right? And the whole thing blows up. I always say this. People don't realize how close any civilization, any society is to complete collapse. Basically turn their lights off for a week, right? I mean, like that's, that's the most obvious and usual example is during a, a you know, some sort of, a, a, you know, hurricane, tornado, or, you know, uh, riots during a summer of love, whatever it may be. Um, you lose power. You can't, you, you, you can't do dishes, take a shower. You can't have uh, uh, refrigeration for your food, stuff like that. You shut the lights off on people, and it collapses very quickly. I guess I should also throw in if they can't scroll on Instagram then, or TikTok, right? Then, like, yeah, riots ensue. Would they be food riots or, or like, iPhone riots? Oh, would, be, would it be like... 
They could call them the, the Apple riots. If we lost power and people couldn't get on, the, or the TikTok riots, maybe something like that. I'm just trying to brand, I'm thinking of branding for the next civil war. That's all. I mean, you can't, you can't blame a guy for, you know, being forward looking here. Oh, get this. American Express Global Business Travel and Welcome.us have reportedly teamed up with former presidents Obama, Clinton, and George W. Bush's NGO. Did you know they had an NGO? They do. It's called Miles for Migrants. Miles for Migrants. They fly illegal aliens to communities across the U.S. Obama, Clinton, and Bush. Miles for Migrants. Welcome.us is an NGO, so it too is an NGO, that was initially launched to work with President Joe Biden's administration to facilitate some of the 85,000 Afghans who came into the U.S. in 2021 and 2022 after uh, the debacle created when the U.S. evacuated from Afghanistan. Right? That was why they set this thing up, was to try to fix a Biden screw-up. Welcome.us is also linked to... That's right. George Soros. You knew it was coming. I mean, you knew it was coming. You knew it was there. Had to be. Had to be a connection. Um, now, Miles for Migrants and American Express Global Business Travel are reportedly teaming up with Welcome.us to raise money for migrants from Cuba, Haiti, Venezuela, and Ukraine, and Nicaragua to be flown into communities across the country in an unprecedented human trafficking operation that's been going on since Biden won. All right, I added that last part. This is by Charlotte Hazard at JustTheNews.com. Roughly 5 million illegal immigrants have entered the U.S. since President Biden took office in 2021, which means what? You give this guy another term, he will have added the entire state of North Carolina. The entire state of North Carolina, population-wise, and that's just the ones we know of. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at CarolinaReadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even because being prepared is just smart carolina readiness supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency in waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran owned carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out here's a good question actually from uh timoteo who says if chevron gets overturned uh, when will legislators have time to campaign very good question. That's yeah. They're gonna have no time. They're gonna actually have to like do bills and stuff. Um, the Hellion says, Pete, that article, the miles for migrants, that has got to be a Babylon B article. It is not. It is legit. It's from justthenews.com, John Solomon's publication. Um, Mark says, I responded to somebody on X Twitter today that this could be a rem- a remember the Alamo moment. And don't those NGOs get money from the government? Yes, indeed, they do. Taxpayer funds. Now, they are raising money, so they can also take donations and stuff, but they they can also uh, get access to to grant money and the like. Henry, welcome to the program. Hello, Henry. What's going on? 
Hey, Pete. <clears throat> Great show as always. A Thanks, couple sir. points. One, congratulations on weight loss. Well, thank you. Um, I started uh, testosterone pellet therapy in September of 22, and I'm now down 70 pounds wow. without, any, without any major changes. So, men, get your testosterone checked, and there are solutions. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Secondly, uh, do you know the author Matt Bracken? No. Matt Bracken? No. Matthew Bracken. Write that down, and then write down when the music stops. He wrote this many, many years ago about... Uh, turmoil in inner cities and elsewhere when the system stops, primarily the EBT system and mm. the welfare system and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really, really interesting read uh, based on a lot of events, primarily the uh, Rodney King L.A. riots. Um, and then you know who Kurt Schlichter is, yes? Oh yeah, absolutely. I've had him on the program, Colonel Schlichter. Well, do you know? Do you know he wrote a book recently in three months? A he record. writes a, that dude writes books like he's a full time practicing trial lawyer in California, and he writes books yeah. in like a week. It's he's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote one. His latest one is called Attack. Yeah, and it describes in clear detail uh, a dystopian uh, action that takes place over three days in the United States uh, with three days of, of, of multi pronged terrorist attacks, and it's entirely plausible, and yeah. it will scare scare the heck out of you. Um, and last point is we had 3 million refugees, illegal invaders in 23. Let's present, let's assume 20% are military age males. That's 600,000. That means we have 60 army divisions of military age males, which each army division is 10,000 soldiers in the United States right here, right now, ready to fight. Right now, the only thing I would say is I don't know about that percentage, uh, if it's completely applicable, but... Uh, I think the the main point is, though, that we don't know, like, we know that they may not necessarily be uh, uh, pro-America, but we don't know where their alliances are. So, like, it's not like they're all one uh, one uniform army for one nation. No, I, you know I'm what not, I mean? I'm not saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just, I'm just playing some numbers. Let's, let's do half that. Yeah. Or let's do 5% of that. That still means we have tens of thousands of people in our country that categorically hate us. Right. And want to take us down. So there is a book anyway. called, uh, have you heard of the author uh, William Forstgen? Uh I met him. Uh, Great. I signed a copy of his book, One Second After and Day of Wrath. Now, Day of Wrath is right. the fear of God in me. Right. That was the one I was going to mention because it's very similar to Kurt's book, Day of Wrath. It is. Yeah. Um, and, and I talked to Bill after uh, he had finished writing that and I had him on the program and we were talking about it. And that disturbed him at a level because the research he does in order to tell those stories which the the story is what would happen if a coordinated um you know trained small group of about five or six islamist terrorists were to attack two or three schools in a coordinated fashion and in order to in order to paint that picture he had to look at what they did in uh beslan in russia yep and it was it, it was horrific uh, it was yeah. it was everything you you've heard about October seventh, uh, except it occurred in schools with kids. And that's that's the premise for Schlichter's new book. Is he took what happened in October seventh? No matter what people say about Hamas, that that raid will go down as one of the most advanced, technically savvy, and audacious raids since the raid on Ebony Manuel, uh, Point du Hoc, Sante. Uh, and the uh, rescue of Mussolini uh, by the German forces. It was an epically 
planned and executed and carried out assault. Yeah. I mean, it was tactically perfect. Henry, I appreciate the call, sir. I wrote down the uh, wrote down the authors you got there. We'll try to get Kurt on, Colonel Schlichter.